This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you're taking the time to either view this on YouTube or listen to it on iTunes. Uh, We thank you for being listeners and viewers of the Thrive Podcast, and we invite you to write us and let us know how we're doing with the Thrive Podcast. You can write me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net and just let us know uh, how we're doing good, bad, or otherwise, so that we can make this podcast something that is beneficial to our entire audience. I'm very happy today to welcome to the Thrive Podcast, Miss L. Marie. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing very well. Tell me who is L. Marie? Okay, so L. Marie is a fashion stylist, and that's just a broad statement of the of my actual job title. Mm-hmm. Um, under that umbrella, I am a wardrobe stylist, I do editorial styling, and I also do personal styling. Okay, tell me how you distinguish wardrobe styling from editorial styling and and, and how those two things go together. War, if, I, if I have in mind, when you say wardrobe stylist, you tell people what they will look best in when they're, mm-hmm. when, when they're dressed. Editorial styling has to do with how things appear in periodicals or on uh, social media sites. Is that correct? Am I right on that? To a certain extent. Okay. okay. So wardrobe styling um, is pretty much, in in my definition, is pretty Mm -hmm. much geared towards going into your home, the actual wardrobe that's in your home, and styling from that, uh, from your your wardrobe from home. So pretty much letting you know the the eighty twenty rule, which is like the key rules of things that you should have, things that you should get rid of, things that you should. <laughs> people don't really like that. But, um, okay. And 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 again, it's all of course opinion based, but most people don't have that creative eye to know like, okay, I can wear this blazer about five times in three, these three different looks. You and know? they're paying you for your opinion. Exactly. Right. Okay. So that's as far as with. Um, the wardrobe styling with editorial it's more so in print in magazines so and it can be like uh, billboards and stuff like that too. and that has to do with how things are arranged or what someone wears when they're on the billboard or in the magazine what? so the so that has to do with theme based so you can just say we go in a restaurant and you um, it's a a sushi uh, plate plate of sushi okay and they say okay our theme is we are we are actually uh highlighting this restaurant but we want you to make the clothes fit this actual sushi plate this which is their best um seller so now i have to take this sushi and re and make it into a look with the clothes not actually taking sushi and putting it on clothes but like there's this thing called color blocking right so color blocking is when you have the on the color wheel there are are colors that actually can blend together and combine together in a block of Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. so if the sushi has white green and orange you know all with you know in the sushi roll so then i take that look those colors and create a look in white green and orange for those uh for that actual look for the magazine. So we are creating that theme of 
color blocking. So I may put the white, maybe uh, the belt may be the white belt that's separating the orange and the green mm -hmm. and some nude shoes and very minimalistic jewelry because when you already color blocking, you don't want to just like overdo it okay. and make it kind of look all over the place. Okay. So that's kind of when I, I was trying to explain the whole theme based thing. And that's very so interesting. That's what it is. I mean, it could be with anything. I mean, because even with 225, we had, I had to take some Oreo ice cream and create a look from the Oreo ice cream. So, so you, you, well, I want to cover a couple of things you mentioned. <laughs> you mentioned the 80-20 rule. What's the 80-20 rule? Okay, so the 80-20 rule is pretty much eliminated what needs to be there and what don't need to be there. Because sometimes we have dated things in our closet that we'll never wear again. <laughs> <laughs> and we okay. all we hanging it up there like, okay, so I'm, I'm gonna get back in this, or I'm gonna wear this again, and this and that, and it's there for like years and years, right. and it's no need, you know. And then it's on this old wire hanger that you're just never gonna use. You're just not gonna use none of that, so you just throw it away. Or well, I shouldn't say throw it away. You should give it away. Okay. You know, if it's not damaged, you should give it away. Okay. Or if it's something that you can recreate. Like, if it's a blazer or if it's a shirt, that you can recreate it into another piece. Like, mm -hmm. maybe cut it up and put it on something, on some jeans or on something like that. Mm -hmm. Like me, I like to recreate denim. So, this was an old blazer that I had right. and some old jeans. So, I took the jeans that I'm never going to wear again. And I took the blazer and I just recreated it into a new look. Mm -hmm. So, now this is a whole, it's the, it's something that was old that's transformed into something new right. that you can wear again. So, it just really depends on how it is and the and also, it depends on the style of the person, too, because everybody's not going to probably wear this jacket, you know, mm -hmm. but and everybody's probably not going to wear something that they have in their closet already again. So you just you get you eliminate it in mm -hmm. some form or fashion as far as that's why it's called the 80 20. You keep 80 um, percent of what you're going to wear and 20% of what you're not going to wear. You do this for both men and women or, yes. or primarily women or what? I do it for both men and women. Okay. So, I mean, actually I do it for whomever wants to obtain the services. It can okay. be from ch child to well, I, I, I guess my question is more <laughs> who comes to you seeking your services? Mostly. Primarily. Is it, yeah, is mostly it, women. Mostly women. Yes. Okay. So, for the guys who come mm -hmm. uh, to you and, and seek your services, uh, are these mostly uh, people who are in certain professions? We were yes. talking before we started, and you said that you do a lot in real estate. Uh, is, is that helping people who sell real estate uh, have a certain look when they go out and sell or what? So, and that's the next part of when I sit under the fashion umbrella, the mm -hmm. image consulting part. So with when I'm doing the personal styling, it comes with image consulting too. So most of my real estate are women that I work with. Okay. And the guys that I have, I have two comedians, which, um, well, he's not a com one of them is not a comedian anymore. He's like CEO. He's actually creating shows and okay. bringing shows here for um, individuals. But he still kept me on as far as his stylist. So um, and his name is Sadie Said, and then I have another comedian that I work with. His name is Ayo. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him no, or not. No, but, but, but I have but, had several comedians <laughs> on here. Yeah. So, uh, uh, they, uh, they are close with um, Howard Hall, too. So Howard, you know Howard, Howard Hall. and his wife have both yes. been on, and yes. uh, we, we had wonderful conversations yes. with both of them. So I, I am a little bit familiar with, <laughs> with that. Them. So that there is a demand uh, 
out there among young people, young young professionals, to achieve a certain look that they perceive as being important to their overall image and their overall success. And and that's the th- exactly because most people that get into like um, high ranking positions are trying to just brand themselves. Branding comes with image, mm-hmm. you know, because the first thing people see is your image. Right. And then when you speak, it's like, oh, she got it all together, you know, mm-hmm. she look good. She speak well and everything. However, when you walk into a room, the first thing people see is your attire. Mm -hmm. So that's why people seek stylists and stuff like that, because they want to create an image or create a certain thing that's going to be relatively geared towards their actual business or something they're starting up. And some people keep you on, and if they have to go to, like, a gala or some type of event, you know, they're calling the stylist because most most times stylists have different connections with other um, fashion houses and stores and stuff that they can pull looks and or get first dibs on looks before it actually hit the scenes or something like that. Okay. Um, how did you decide on this not as uh, just an interest, but as something that you could make a living out of. Okay, so that's a funny story. Okay. <laughs> um, I started out um, in nursing. Really? Yes. I thought I wanted to be this big pediatrician. It's, okay. It's crazy, but I think it was more so because um, me and my grandmother were really close, and she's a nurse, and that's you know, I was like, man, she's doing really good. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go into this nursing thing, you mm-hmm. know. So I was going towards that way, but I always had just like a love of just like recreating things and and putting looks together and clothes together. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I didn't have my own money like that coming in to go and buy stuff. Right. But I would cut out little things in the magazines and place them together and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, that, yeah. that may work. Yeah. I always used to mix prints and do things like that but I never knew it was an actual profession at the time I just knew I just liked doing it Mm -hmm. so um even when I was supposed to be studying with nursing like we had this we called it the nursing bible it was like a thick book I would have the book open but I would have like Vogue magazine (laughs) (laughs) I would always have it on the side Uh and it's like I would always just kind of gravitate yeah, towards that. Yeah, and it's kind of like, okay, I have to do something about this. But I was just too nervous to tell my family, like, this is something that I want to do mm-hmm. because, I mean, nobody thinks that fashion is something that you can actually, like, succeed in life mm-hmm. in the South, I'm going to say mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. at that time. But um, so I just, I just, I just couldn't muster up to tell them that that's what I wanted to do. So I kind of fought through the nursing program. Um but what made me say that I just, I can't do this anymore, one of my clients was like really, really sick. And mm-hmm. they said that, um, and I may be saying the terminology wrong, but they say he had chronic diarrhea or something like that. And he was pretty much like passing, getting ready to, um, to die. And, but you have to make them comfortable, you mm-hmm. know, clean them up and this and that, whatever. And I, I couldn't do it. You know, as a nurse, you have to, keep this straight face right. and this and that and it's like when you turn him over he's defecating everywhere I I, I just knew you know it, it just when I was going to the the, the um, actual med surge floors and stuff 
I just didn't have a love for it. You know, I found, I say, I think I'm doing this more so for somebody and not for right. myself. Right. So I had to just make a change. So I changed my major, but I didn't tell my family until <laughs> like maybe a semester before graduating. And um, I changed it to psychology, which I really did. I love psychology. And I needed psychology because I needed to know the psyche of my clients that just knowing how they think, the structure of what they was thinking and stuff like that because right. just like a hairstylist um fashion stylist become um i guess a uh what is it um i can't get it out what was it <laughs> a sounding board a sounding board but I, it, it was, it's another word that i'm thinking of but i can't think about it i can't think of it right now however um you become someone that they just can talk to, confide in, and tell all of, you know. A confidant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Psychologist, that's the word. Okay. You become like a psychologist because they want to sit down and just tell you everything, you yeah. know. And so I just felt like I needed to know a little bit more of how to understand people, you know. And people's clothing are an expression of their personality. Exactly. And exactly. in some cases of their moods. Yeah. Uh, uh, in most cases yeah. of their mood. <laughs> um, now, let's talk about that for a second. I, I'm going to use myself. Mm -hmm. as, I, I'm going to be your client for the next five minutes, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm 57 years old. Mm -hmm. I pastor a church. I am grossly overweight. Uh, 355 pounds. Uh, I primarily wear suits. Uh, I don't think I look too good in bright colors, so I tend to stick to dark colors. The brightest color I have is maybe a gray. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you going to do with me? So How are you going to fix me? So, we, <laughs> <laughs> so I actually set up consultations okay. with every client that I have. Okay. And I have a list of questions that we go through and Give me a sampling of some of your questions. Okay. So, one of the questions would be what is something that you want to accentuate? What is something that you want to hide? I want to hide my fat belly. Okay? <laughs> okay. That, that, that's what I want to hide. That's what you want to hide. Yeah. Okay. So, and you told me that you like wearing suits, but you are afraid to wear um lighter suits because of what? I don't because I think that lighter suits highlight my size. I think darker suits tend to conceal uh, how how large I actually am. And then that can always that can all go into the fit. So you would definitely I would suggest that someone come in and we do a fitting and let them know let you know the structure of your body because suits come in all different structures, all different forms, all different fits. Okay. So we would try on all different fits to see which one that's different from the fit that you always wear. Okay. And some that's and then into the new you know the newer stage fit. Not to make you wear any skinny pants or young. I was about to say like I can't that. wear skinny suits. No. <laughs> Not nothing like that. Yeah. But I'm just saying they have um they have suits that can be appropriate for your age per okay se, you know okay. so um and so we'll just go through all those different fits and i guarantee you out of all of those different fits you would select one then from there when you talk about the color now we will go into different color schemes because mm -hmm. you say bright colors but you know fall colors are darker colors right but they still have a tone to them mm -hmm. like uh burgundies mm -hmm. purples you know people think purple and they instantly think lavender that's not 
the only color, shade of purple they have. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing I was talking about on the color wheel. Mm-hmm. So I will show you those colors on the color wheel, and then you can see like, okay, this is these are the purples. Purple can range range from lavender all the way up to the deepest darkest purple. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's still on the darker range, but it still has some tone to it. Okay. So those are the things that um, not to kind of manipulate you, but to no, show but, you that you know there to, yeah. to present my best yeah. self and to show you that there are other ways outside of black and gray. I heard you mention about you were a minimalist when it comes to jewelry and accessories. Did I get that right? No, when you're doing um, like mixing prints, okay, you keep it minimal. Okay. But if it's like solids and um, just say, I, I like dainty jewelry anyway. I'm okay. not like those big huge um, necklaces and stuff. Not saying I didn't before, but as I've matured in the style and I like more like things like that because I like to mix print. I like to mix different colors yeah. and be a little bit more daring with clothes. So you don't want to do too much jewelry. Well, However, see, I'm not a jewelry person at all and and that's why I was asking because I wear my wedding band, I wear a watch. Mm-hmm. I don't wear rings on every finger. I don't wear bracelets. Right. I don't wear necklaces, things of that sort. Would that frustrate you? Or, or, no, no, no. Because, okay. again, with the actual uh, consultation and the questionnaire, it go. I go with what your profession is mm-hmm. and what's suitable for that. Okay. So just because, you know, I may style another guy in something, that don't mean that I want you to look exactly like him. Every person that I style has their own character. They have their own personality. They have their own style. So nobody is going to be styled the exact same. Okay. Even if they see something, they say, oh, I want that. I don't do it. Okay. You know, so. So you're interested in me finding my best look. Yes. You're not interested in me finding the El Marie look. Yes. Am exactly. I saying that correctly? Exactly. It's just okay. going to be the El Marie touch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. The El Marie touch. Yes. Okay. So you told your parents uh, in the last semester that you weren't going into nursing and that you were going to pursue so, a different career. Yes. Did they throw you out of the house? Did no. <laughs> what happened after that? No, because I t- told them that, you know, I was going in psychology, and mm-hmm. then my financial aid was running out, so I had to make a decision. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so um, when I switched my major, um, I actually ran out of financial aid because I had to stay in a year longer okay. than what it is. So I advise anybody, who wherever you go, declare your major and know that's what you want to do mm-hmm. because I am like to my wits end with paying salary made because of my sim- the simple fact that I changed my major from nursing. I was already two years into the actual nursing program. Okay. So when I switched my major over, I had to retake other classes to get back in another major. Okay. So it set me back some well, a year. Okay. So um However, I told, you know, my family that, and they were still fine with that because they didn't know it was fashion at the time. It was psychology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, graduated from there. I started working in my actual field um, of psychology, and I I was fulfilled in it, but it still was just in the back of my head, like, I have to do something with fashion. Like, I have to do it, you know. I can't just let this just wipe away. It, it, w- it wouldn't wipe away. Mm-hmm. So I started, I opened up a boutique, which that's something that I, I was, it was an online boutique. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do, but I was like, mm, that's a little something I can kind of get into and I can show my creativity and styling. So I did that. I started creating my own photo shoots and had models and I was, you know, and it was actually selling and doing really good, but I still wasn't fulfilled because 
this is not something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I just I stopped that. Um, I was selling sunshades and T-shirts and clothes and all kind of stuff. I was I felt like I was just all over the place because I was trying to get to my end goal, which was where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I just had to stop it, and I was like, you know what? I have to walk out on faith and just do what I what's in me to do, like mm-hmm. what I love doing. Mm-hmm. And um, the funny thing is, I end up getting really, really sick. Um, like sick to where they didn't know if I was gonna make it. I had double pneumonia mm-hmm. and um okay, try not to get emotional. It's okay. So, um, I went in the hospital and, you know, they were just like, Oh, we don't know what's wrong with her, you know, something's going on, her oxygen level is going down and everything. So we have to move her to um ICU. So my grandmother is like, you know, the strong person of the family. And when she broke down, it just scared me because I'm like, I asked her, I was like, am I, am I about to die? Because I don't know what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really breathe, couldn't really talk. So I went to ICU and um, the last thing I can remember is um, them telling me, you know, uh, I just saw the, it was like a team of LSU doctors, you know, in front of me and they were just like, you know, they were just trying to figure out what was going on because all the tests were coming back negative. Nobody could figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. So um, when I got in ICU, they just put this, they start hooking me up to stuff and putting this big old mask on my face and everything. And they were just telling my grandmother and my mom, like, um, we just have to act fast because she's losing. She's below the oxygen level, and she's not going to make it if we don't Mm -hmm. do something. All in all, you know, I made it out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt, you know, I made it out. God had another plan because it, it even with, at the place that I was working, my um, the 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 um, supervisor there was telling me that her niece had just died from the same thing. She went to the hospital. They sent her home, and she died on the elevator. So it just freaked me out even more, you know, yeah. while I'm in the hospital. And I'm just like, she would tell me this now, yeah. you know. Um, so, but, you know, like I say, I made it out of there because I, I just was like, okay, I felt like God just had another plan for me. And I just felt like I couldn't procrastinate no more on what I wanted to do in life mm-hmm. as far as all of the things that I wanted to do as a stylist, just the things that I wanted to create, um, even with the youth. Um, so once I got out of the hospital and got all myself back together, it took some months, like literally a, a lot of months, <laughs> to get back together and get myself just back hold again and started back working. But even though I started back working, I said, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to create myself as a stylist. So I started looking up different schools and um, places where I can go to kind of um, just get more knowledgeable research, just the styling aspect mm-hmm. itself, like how you can make money, how you can brand yourself, you know, because I had to um, be a, you know, create my own image. You know, I had to be my own stylist because I had to recreate myself from becoming, um, uh, from case management and working in that field of psychology to now becoming a stylist, you know, having people see me as that. So talk about the rebranding of yourself. So what what is entailed in rebranding yourself? 
because as you know I said earlier I was I had a boutique right. you know so people just kn knew me from selling clothes not as um, being a stylist actually creating looks creating an image creating that that new found for that person you know mm -hmm. just helping them just rebrand themselves mm -hmm. so I had when I say rebrand myself I had to start doing my own photo shoots of of myself you know in different looks so I started off styling myself in different looks taking photos um, I hired on a photographer to come and just take some photos of me around town and just posting myself where I, where I was getting things from. I started going thrifting and showing people how I can take thrift clothes and making them look modern day, yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and they, you can really find nice pieces, you know, from the mm -hmm. thrift store or whatever. So I just started doing a lot of things like that and just showing people my creativity, showing them that side of me. Mm -hmm. And um, How do you market something like that? Well, I mean, thankfully, Facebook or? I was to say, thankfully, we had, you know, social media okay. to kind of help push that. However, I do have a website okay. um, that I started. I didn't have anybody to uh, actually, I didn't have a lot of money to pay people to do my website and make it all elaborate and stuff. So mm -hmm. it was there, but I catered more to like Facebook and social media because you can post a picture up there and people say, oh, I like that. You know, right. I didn't know you do that, you know, and, it, and they see it there versus going to your rink and eating website at the time <laughs> and it's like oh wait that that ain't good you know yeah. so um so I kind of stayed there until I was able to you know get my website in a better position so um so again from there just uh and then I would use my friends as models and style them from all different sizes ages and everything, and then do, doing collaborative shoots, you know, things that I can um, show different people, like that I don't just style from only African Americans. I, I mean, I have a diverse clientele, you mm -hmm. know, or I wanted a diverse clientele, so mm -hmm. it wouldn't be just, you know, you know, only just that, just one market. You know, I wanted to expand and sure. and, and be as big as I can. Right. <laughs> um, so, and I was just, that, that's just what I kept doing. I kept doing it. And I found a school in L.A. that um, certifies you as a stylist. So, um, I went there, obtained my certification, and I came back. And it was full force from there. Wonderful. It was like, that's all I needed. <laughs> so, what, what you're really saying is that you came to an understanding of what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And then you pursued it. Yes. with a great degree of intensity mm -hmm. and commitment. Absolutely. And you were willing to make the sacrifices necessary yes. in order to accomplish what you have currently accomplished. Yes. Uh, and it takes a certain degree of vulnerability to put yourself out there mm -hmm. and, and say to people, I can help you if you give me the opportunity exactly. to do that. Even when they say no, like I mean, I wasn't afraid to stand on a mountain of no's for one yes. Like mm -hmm. I was I just I wasn't afraid to do that. I was okay with people telling me no. I was okay with people telling me I don't like this or this and that because everybody's not gonna like what you do. Right. Everybody's not gonna be attracted to the clothes that you wear. Right. But that on everybody is not everybody in the world. <laughs> you know, you have 
they have people who will come to you and who will want the services that you have and who will appreciate how you put things together and how you actually operate. Some people will come to you just because of your genuine spirit and mm -hmm. consistency in what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, they may not even need a stylist, but they may be too busy to where they can't go and get this look and get that and, you know, and put this together and that. And a stylist is here. Well, people are looking for ways to uh, uh, monetize uh, fashion mm -hmm. uh, in, in kind of creative ways. I have noticed that there are companies, I can't think of the names of them, but I've seen the advertisements where you go online and you fill out a survey and mm -hmm. they send you clothes mm -hmm. and you keep what you like and, and send, you send back. back what you, mm -hmm. That's essentially doing what they have style boxes what, and stuff what, like what that. you do, mm -hmm. uh, except that they don't have a person doing it. They're doing it more with a group in mind in, in, in the background and, and it's, it's kind of anonymous mm -hmm. because you're doing it online. I appreciate the fact that you, you're, t you're saying, I put myself out there. I put myself before the public. I said, look at me and what I did for me, I can also do for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that takes a, a great degree of bravery, but it also takes a great degree of self-confidence yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in order to do what, you, what you've done. And so how many years have you been doing this now? Um, well, from talking, I've been doing it all my life. Right. <laughs> but professionally, um, actually, it'll be seven years in July, but one year of me doing it completely without any extra, like me working a nine to five. Okay. Did I make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, 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 so you, 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 you dipped your toe in the water, but you were also doing other things to pay the bills. Yes. Until you could eventually break away from that and pursue this on a full-time basis. Yes. Even if I did, like, when I broke away, okay, so I didn't really break away. Okay. <laughs> I kind of was pushed away, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I came home from the hospital and everything, I still worked, you know, I was telling you I was still working on my job. Right. But as years went by, you know, the, um, I end up going part time in my job because me and um, my uh, one of my really good friends we have a creative arts program called iGlam Academy, and it's uh, girls living, achieving, and maturing. Mm -hmm. And we ended up getting into a high school, and that high school only had a slot open for a morning time for us to teach that that course. Okay. So I went part time in my job to be able to. Um, teach, go there in the morning and teach, and then come to my job in the afternoon. Okay. So um, I guess it just wasn't working out for the best for the job. Mm -hmm. um, and they called me in, and they said, well, Elle, you know, we just wanted to talk to you. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, because, no, she said it wasn't any, it's not anything bad. And I said, oh, I said, well, usually when you come to the, you know, to HR, it's something bad. <laughs> they don't right. just call you to HR because, I mean, if you're going to get a raise, your, your supervisor can do that. Right. <laughs> so, and she was like, well, um, we, are, um, we are here to let you go. And I was just like, okay. And I was like, what for? And she said, well, they didn't really give me the full um, just of everything. I just know they're restructuring the program and the funding is doing this. And, you know, they always give you that excuse about the funding and stuff. So, mm -hmm. I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I said, it was great working with you all, you know. And before I even went up in there, I just 
I said a prayer to myself. I was like, you know what, Lord, if this is my last day here, let me walk out of there with some dignity and be okay with that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm fighting this thing that I want to do, you know, just let me be okay with whatever they're going to tell me. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't upset. I just, you know, I thanked her. You know, it's like something in me was like, oh, now I got to, I asked for it. Right. <laughs> and it came. Right. You know, I didn't ask him to do it. In a, you know, when you talk to God, you got to ask him how you want it and tell him how you want it. Because if not, he's going to do it, you know, he's how he want to do it. Exactly. So, um, and I mean, they let me go. I, I packed up my stuff, and um, nobody knew. Not even well, my supervisor said he didn't know, but nobody knew. And they all came in there and was like, "What's going on?" And I told them whatever. So they started kind of hugging me and was like, "We don't want you to leave." And that's what kind of made me a little emotional at that point because I have built a rapport with not only my um, clients that I was working with there, but my, you know, the staff as well. So. Right. When I went home, you know, I told my mom and everything, and I was just like, you know, I'm not going back to another job. I don't, I honestly don't know where the money's gonna come from or how I'm gonna do it, but this is what I wanna do. Mm-hmm. I have to make this work mm-hmm. because it's not leaving me. It's, it's just in me. It's in me to do. I, I love it too much to just go back to another job and be in the same situation that I'm in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it and see if it's going to work. And if it don't work, I mean, I have a degree. I can always go back to work. You know, I can always go back to a nine to five if right. I needed to. But right. that came to the point to where, like, when I said that I'm a, almost a year in in July from being laid off. So and you have me and, and you have been pursuing this singular avenue ever since then. Yes. I was able to get my own studio. Um, I have a studio on Wooddale. I, um, I, That's I a obtained, testimony. I've obtained more clients. Yeah. I end up working with the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I testimony. I was just like, you know, it, it, he just, you know, God just really been guiding this journey for me. You know, even when there's times where I'm like, man, so many, be-, you know, when the first of the month come around, it's just like, whew. Yeah. That happens Bills. to everybody, trust me. <laughs> trust me. And you get, you kind of, I, I kind of doubt myself in that moment, but then he always show up. Like, he blessed me with blessings when I don't even know that, you know, when I'm not even looking for him, actually. Yes, ma'am. You know, so my friend, um, they, we, we just, I just came off a movie set. One of my um, friends that I work with, the girl I was telling you that um, I started the youth program with, she told them about me as styling and one of the people, the assistants on the movie set in the costume department couldn't come back. So they called me, you know. So that was not only a financial blessing, but it was also a blessing for me to learn costuming in movie theater. Right. Movies. So, you know, so look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there is a bustling movie industry here in, yes. in Baton Rouge and in, and in Louisiana. So yes. that's wonderful. So... so you, you've mentioned God several times, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that leads me to my question about uh, your your beliefs about how your spirituality plays into your success. You know, one, one of the things that 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 you have not said is that you're uh, uh, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You you you're the head of your own business, mm-hmm. uh, and. 
you're responsible not just for you, but for certain people around you. And that's an awesome responsibility to take on. How does your spirituality play a role? Does your spirituality play a role in in what it is that you've been able to do and what it is that you expect to do as you move forward? Okay, so I am an entrepreneur. Right. But I'm not the head of my business. He is the head of my business. So He being God. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I should have said that. Uh, but yes. God is the head of my business. He's been definitely seeing me through as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say he know my name, <laughs> <laughs> he know my name. I mean, it's just like I, I talk to my friends all the time. I'm like, you know, me, I just really just sat down and had a conversation with God, just letting him know all the things that's going on, the things I want to pursue, you know, why is it not coming or what am I not doing and this and that or whatever. And it's always show, showed up um, in ways uh, physically for me. Like, you know, he would, I, I don't want to say he don't talk to me, but he talked to me in a ways where it's a physical uh, action, mm-hmm. you know, um, like you know how some people was like, oh, I heard the, I heard God talking to me, mm-hmm. saying this is what you should do, mm-hmm. you know. I just hear through actions, like he just always create different avenues or create different ideas for me to be mm-hmm. able to expand or be able to move forward or even just show me something, a sign saying it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. It may be rough right now, but. I got you, you know? So, um, and then I have a a friend when I say, I can call her and just say, I need a prayer. Like, I need you to speak to me, you know? I need him to speak to you. Wait, I'm saying this wrong. I need you to speak to me, but I need it to be from him. I understand. And she is like, she she is the best when it comes to that. It's like she know exactly what to tell me to bring me back down from there. And I know it's coming from God, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just so easy to to call her and say this because she just know you're like I guess because we on the same creative path, so she kinda know how to um know the right things to say in that moment, you know, when it's coming from God mm-hmm. and so yeah, that I mean, it plays a, a huge role in my life. I mean, I just literally prayed before I came here because this is not something that I do. I always run from things like this, and he's always bringing it back to me. So how when you I, doing? In in, in in this, I mean, <laughs> how, how do you think you're doing? I don't know. I think you're doing pretty well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I just talking. I feel like you, I'm just talking. You, too much. You, you're more than halfway through it, and and you haven't <laughs> collapsed or anything. I, I, I think you're doing just great. Um, you're a young woman who still goes to church. Yes. We talked about that before we started recording. Um, a lot of young black people. Uh, even those who consider themselves to be spiritual have left the church. They they don't go to church on a regular basis. Uh, what what goes into your decision to attend church as opposed to those who have made the decision to forego church? Um, for me. I just like being in the atmosphere of just that praise and worship and just getting that that word. Because sometimes you just need people to, you need to be in the house of of worshipers speaking, you know, that word to you from mm-hmm. from the pastor. Um, 
and you don't necessarily have to be in the house to receive the word but it's just for me it's just a different feeling that I get when I'm amongst everybody worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying you know and just receiving a good uh, word it's, mm-hmm. it's just it don't, it, it don't change the direction of the week you know, but it just it just gives you a different feeling. I don't I, I can't explain the feeling that it gives me, mm-hmm. you know, per se. Um, I know some people have issues because of um, how other people actually act in a church, you know, certain people, how they act. But the thing about it is, you know, people can say and do what they want or how they want. But if you're coming there for a sole purpose of receiving what God has for you, that don't matter, you know? Yeah. I've often wondered about that. I mean, I've spent my entire life in the church, uh, so I know I'm, I come at it from a totally biased point of view. Mm -hmm. But you don't have a problem with negative people in your social groups. You don't have a problem with negative people in your sorority or in your fraternity or in whatever other group that you're a part of. You persevere. You you go through it. You find a way to maneuver around Mm -hmm. the negativity in order to receive that which you see as beneficial from being a part of that group. I don't know why it is that when we come to the church, we expect everybody to be positive all the time. We expect everybody to be pristine all the time. Mm -hmm. We expect everybody to be supportive all the time. Church is made up of people. And people are people. I don't care where they are. Mm -hmm. They don't stop being people when they walk into a church. Uh, So I applaud the fact that you can find something positive from the worship experience, even though sometimes you will be confronted by people who are less than positive. And I think that that's an important message for for people to come away with. Um, I mean, we, we all have our faults. I mean, it's things that we all need to work on. But I do think it's more so of the expectations of people when they think about the church. But the but the, the expectations are unrealistic. And, 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 and that's the point yeah. that I like to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they ought to be. Okay, well, everybody ought to be yeah. better than they are. Uh, all, all of us, as you just said, have uh, faults. We have failures. We have frailties. Uh my father, who used to pastor this church, used to talk about the fact that he was keenly aware. He used to love to use that word. <laughs> keenly aware of my faults and my imperfections. Uh, well, I think anybody and everybody ought to be aware of their faults and imperfections and ought to mute them as much as possible. But you and I both know, we've lived long enough to know, that that's not always going to be the case. I'm not going to let somebody else's fault or, or failure or frailty stop me from getting the maximum benefit out of being a part of of a church and a worship experience. Uh, so I applaud the fact that you still continue uh, to uh, attend church, which leads me to the next question that I wanted to ask. I do this podcast uh, in part because I want to learn from young people. I want to have conversations with people who I typically would not have a conversation with uh, in order to to draw from their knowledge and from their experience. As the pastor of a traditional black Baptist church in the city of Baton Rouge, what is it that I can learn uh, about what young people expect from their church 
what is it that that I can take away from this that can help me to make Shiloh a better church for young people? Um, well, that's it's kind of hard for me to say because I've never been here right. before. But um, I will say things are now um, navigating towards um, media. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say media, like social media, um, like a lot of visual. We, we are now visual learners. We want to see things. We like metaphors that can be we can actually uh, just understand because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we can read the Bible and you, we don't really understand it, mm-hmm. you know, but if it's, if it's put into a, a place to where uh, we can't understand it in um, a way that we can receive it, then I think that that's something that can be done. I'm not saying that you don't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying just as a whole. But, because but, like, but you think that that being more visual and being more media savvy yes. is more attractive to younger people? Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, when I can't, because um, I was going to a church, and I, I, I attend another church now, but um, when I couldn't go to church, or maybe if I, I woke up late to go to church, just mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, <laughs> um, I would pick up, I would go to um, like uh, a church that's live streaming or right. or I would look at something on YouTube, you know, uh, it may have been an old sermon, but it may be something that that's that, that I, you needed. Yeah, that I needed at that, at that moment. Sure. And um, and like uh, it's one guy I watch all the time. I can't think of his name. Um, I want to say he's in Dallas, or he's somewhere in Texas. I want to say, but he always used like objects to talk about what he's referencing from the Bible, mm-hmm. and it just makes you understand it more because you're looking at what he's saying, and he's actually like if he's talking about something. Um, I'm trying to think of something that he actually talked about, but. Um, Whatever, whatever scripture he read from the Bible, he'll just visually a- act it out. Not not act it out. Visually have things to act it out. Okay. You know, like to show you this is what it is. Because mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes we speed read and we don't really catch every word, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So we... But if we if we see it and we understand and we understand it, it just goes back to like I was saying, you know, when somebody walk in the room, all they're gonna see is your clothing and stuff first. Right. So if we're seeing it and we're seeing how it's being done and what it takes and just visually, it, it just helps us to understand more. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say us. I'm just gonna say me as a young person. It helps me to understand more because I'm a visual learner. Right. I can look at something and if you're teaching it visually, I can grasp it and be like, okay, yeah, I get okay. that now. But um, I'm not a person that reads all the time. You know, I probably should read more. Mm-hmm. But I can read to understand, but I'm a visual learner. So if I see it, I understand it a little bit more versus reading it. I understand. You have lived in Washington, D.C., you told me, for a time, and you spent Very short period. (laughs) Short period. Uh, You've lived in California, Los Angeles, uh, briefly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of your time has been here in Louisiana, in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a young person, uh, what do you think about Baton Rouge? Is, Is this a place where 
you can see yourself living out the rest of your life or do you see other opportunities elsewhere that might carry you away from Baton Rouge? Well, I mean, in the field that I'm in, of course, there's different opportunities that can, that I can say, oh, yeah, you know, I can, you know, if I was there, I can get that or what have you. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that and and it's not happening. Like, I can't just jump up and move. I'm not going to say I can't. I'm not going to just jump up and move because... I see somebody that got this opportunity because they moved. That probably was for them. Mm-hmm. That was their season. Mm-hmm. That was for them to to move and get that um, position or what have you. Mm-hmm. That ain't. That's not for me right now. You know, when that opportunity comes for me, I'm not saying that I wouldn't go. However, I'm not saying that I'm just running away from Baton Rouge either because I've built a foundation here as far as with uh, the youth program that we have. So... I wouldn't just cut everything out because, you know, people always tell me, oh, you know, you need to move because Baton Rouge is not a place for the fashion scene and this and that. You know, sometimes when it's not your season to to move or do whatever, you need to create opportunities for yourself mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. And when you create those opportunities, different opportunities come from that, mm-hmm. you know. So I honestly don't want to completely pack up and move and say I'm away from Baton Rouge, but I would definitely love to work in other states and say, you know, you know, I'm out here for maybe a couple of weeks working, but I'm coming back home. I always want Baton Rouge to be home, but I definitely would love to go and work in different places and travel and stuff like that. So, I appreciate you taking the time to come by and share with us. I hope this hasn't been painful <laughs> for you. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned certain things and maybe I can get you to help me put the right shirt and tie combination <laughs> yes, with my I suit. Yes, I got you. I got you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next time.